Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now, though, let's get on with the show. My guest today is Gordon Fong, CEO and co-founder of KimSale. KimSale contains three businesses within it, data center hosting, eMango, and Xnet. And we'll see and hear how all of these come together and work together during the course of our conversation with Gordon. Gordon is deeply passionate about making connections, both in the technical sense and the personal one. His goal is to enhance and champion business in Dorset, and part of this has been ChemSales expansion at the Dorset Innovation Park. As well as Gordon's love of community and doing business for a greater good, other topics covered in our conversation range from how much business and the process of starting a business has changed over the past 20 years, Gordon's ultimate aspirations for Dorset, the current and future state of AI, work-life balance and the importance of finding your tribe. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you will too. Welcome Gordon to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you Warren, thank you. It's a surprise to be invited here. Oh no, I think there's a lot that I want to talk to you about Gordon. I think I'm going to obviously touch on software, tech, all of those kind of things and things you do within your business but one of the reasons I want you on the podcast is I think you're a great believer in community. So I've got some questioning and some discussion oh, I good. want to have with you about the power of community. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it now. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get on to that. But first, I suppose we should put some context uh, here for our listeners about you, about the business you co-own, you, which you're the chief operating officer of, which is KimSell. So very briefly, do you want to tell our listeners what KimSell does and is? That's a difficult question, and I actually did a video to explain everything <laughs> that I do, so hopefully people can find that uh, and, and have, a, have a bit of a play. But I guess, in, in summary, Kimsall isn't a, it's not like a, it's a branded house, I guess it's a house of brands, of which we've got three. Okay. eMango, that we started in year 2000 as a web development company, one of the earliest ones, and probably one of three still in existence in Bournemouth. Wow. Um, we have data center hosting, which is a managed service provider, and we've got our own data centre facility over at the Dorset Innovation Park. So we work with local government, uh, national government and and, uh, local businesses as well. And we have Xnet, which provides consultancy into the areas of national security and uh, law enforcement. So it's quite a mixed bag of things, but it's it's quite good to have a diversified model. Yeah, that is quite a diversified mix, as you're saying. But I suppose the first question that then comes out is, how do you know which hat you're wearing at any given time? And, you know, how do you apply yourself to those different businesses? It is. It's a difficult thing, but they're all quite distinct. And you kind of, when you go into different 
uh, network of businesses mm. in that sector, it, it's quite easy to, to distinguish. But uh, as far as our business ambitions goes, actually, the next five, seven years, we have an ambition to bring everything together as a more of a consolidated offering. Okay. So actually, it feels like we're going to go through a startup phase after 23 years of business. So that's <laughs> exciting in its own way, because actually, that's I think that's what we need to to do to have a focus in, in in a kind of exit strategy as well. Okay, so that's more than just a rebranding exercise. That is bringing the strategies of all the businesses together. Yeah, three payrolls, three sets of accounts, all those kind of things, as, as you yeah. will well know yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. And how did you get into that business? What were you doing before? What brought you down to Dorset? Um, I, I moved down to Bournemouth from Newcastle. I was working for a the ISDN company okay. in Newcastle, and then I moved down to work for a company called Foresight, uh, who were their competitors. So mm. I moved all the way down from Newcastle to Bournemouth to work for the competitor, and, and, and in a way, haven't looked back since in terms of personal life and business life. Brilliant. And Foresight, I mean, mm. yeah. <laughs> we should probably touch on that. I mean, it, that what seems to be, and I remember it at the time, I was in the business community, I was working within a firm of accountants, and that was the business locally it was a tech business this was mid 90s wasn't it yeah um and it was i suppose the place to be but it then got sold to whamnet was yeah. that right yeah so it got sold to a big us corporation and everybody it's sort of disbanded but one of the things that intrigues me about that business is that out of that business has come so many hmm. other startups tech businesses yeah. you know even marketing businesses um, that have been, got on to be successful. And I, I can't think of another example like that. Why do you think that was? Uh, the kind of energy in the place and, and the average age was quite, you know, there was a good community of friends and, and that would work hard and play hard as well. And they were quite young in, in a kind of software startup business as well. So you know, everything kind of came together. Everybody had a, their own roles, but we worked hard to build it uh, nationally, internationally, and so on. But also, we, you know, the senior business management team, they were really, really good at guiding us, guiding us through. So the level heads at the top are just kind of young guns <laughs> below, just doing <laughs> yeah. their thing. And one of the things I just, you know, I still talk to our friends um, from Foresight Days. We still meet in every reunions every five, five years or so, and it's fantastic. And there's always this question, what would have happened if we stayed together yeah. on all that entrepreneurial spirit was used to maybe spin off different brands, spin off different products and services, but we kept everybody together. Yeah. Like, no, it's also, also a question that's kind of not bugged me because yeah. life moves on, but you know, it makes us reflect back on how, what such a great time it was. But it was, it's also a different time because when I started in business in the year 2000, the kind of conditions and the tools are so different yeah. to now. Youngsters can spin up a business age 14, 16 or whatever, and they can be trading the next day. Back yeah. then, if you didn't have business cards, a telephone number, et cetera, et cetera, stationery, you, yeah. you couldn't even start, could you? Yeah, but I suppose, no, you couldn't. And it's a, it's a, that is a good reflection. It's even in the last, yeah, 23 years, <laughs> how the world has changed and how it's so much easier to start a business now yeah. and to be yeah. you know, entrepreneurial now used, than it was back then. Yeah, I, I, I used to go through this phase and looking at the youngsters coming through and think, oh, wow, they're doing so great. But it, we can't compare ourselves because it's no. a different time, different tools, different mindset. So, and, and I just love the way that, you know, 16-year-olds or 18-year-olds in that our kind of business networking groups come up to me and tell me that they're starting businesses. 
And I just stand, stand there astounded, thinking, yeah. I would never be that brave, but they are. And that, yeah. fair play. And I suppose, yeah, it's, 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 it's got me thinking now. It's, it's a good observation, isn't it? Because I think perhaps in your day, my day, probably a similar age, <laughs> Gordon, um, you did go off and get experience, didn't you? you? You went out into the world, you probably had a job, possibly worked for a corporate, or, you know, and maybe in your late 20s mm. thought I can do something for myself here I've learned some stuff I'll go yeah. and do it and the barriers were there but now yeah it's great isn't it youngsters are coming out of school out of university and they've got great ideas and they've got a passion and a belief and off they go yeah they've, they've got very little to, to risk uh, everything to gain they've got the tools they can try it as a side hustle with all the tools internet yeah. tools they've got and then uh, if it works great if it doesn't they'll just move on to the next one yeah. whilst we would kind of go oh it's failure and, and kind of mope over it but yeah. you know the youngsters just fly through yeah it's good isn't it and if we talk about e-mango because you know as like you said um, you know that was business founded in 2000 one of the first early internet <laughs> businesses and you say you know one of three that you can think of locally that was, were formed then and still going What's been the success, and given that business, it's longevity? Um, I guess we're, we're a lot smaller than what we were before. Yeah. But um, I wanted to retain that capability as opposed to closing off, because actually it's going to come into, into its own when we consolidate all of these kind of services later on. Yeah. But I think the what we did do early on was to niche down on a particular sector into membership organisations, so say the British Plastics Federation or the Association of X, Y, and Z. Okay. So instead of just building a website, which is more of a brochure, it would be a membership management system that people can renew their subscriptions, book events, access member-only data and information. So that's that's was our focus. And the kind of recurring revenues from those uh, uh, clients saw us through two recessions and one pandemic. Yeah. And that should be a, a business chance for all those businesses that uh, survived. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And was niching down, because a lot of people talk about niching down, yeah. and, and that is a route to longevity, success and all of that. And that was a purposeful strategy that you adopted all those years ago, was it? Yes, we knew we couldn't compete on you know, uh, very creative design websites. We, we just didn't have those skills and we wouldn't have any, enough customers to hire somebody full-time. So yeah. we just focused on the business processing aspects and the kind of back-office systems yeah. that people needed. So they could have the nice front-end websites, but actually to run the business and to bring the money in and to manage their clients, they needed something a lot more solid than just a, a WordPress yeah. website. Yeah, so I suppose that came back to leaning on yours and others um, within the businesses, your tech and IT and yeah. software skills. Okay. Um, and should touch on, you've got many other roles, and I suppose this might lead us into this kind of conversation around community in part, and perhaps we'll come back to business later. Um, you, you've been on our sort of not exec at um, BH Support, which provides advice to local businesses, uh, Frankenfest, which is a community interest company based around Southbourne and your community there. You know, what draws you into some of these more voluntary roles, Gordon? In, in terms of my involvement within the local community, that, that you know, the crux of that is a, is a big, big question, and I'm going to answer it this way. I'm not a public speaker, but back in 2019, I did a talk as part of a little um, network group I'm, I'm part of, You Are The Media. Yeah. And the title of the talk was, 
the worst business entrepreneur presentation ever. So if you search that, that's got my name all over <laughs> it. And, um, and one of the slides, which was the most simplest, but actually the most hardest to go through, was a white slide with a little greenhouse from Monopoly. Okay. And, and what I talked about then was about my parents coming to the UK in 1960s. Um, yeah. And I grew up as a teenager in the, in the 80s. And for a lot of people, the 80s were fun times, music, fashion, yeah. you know, ABBA, etc., etc. But for me, there was another aspect in the sense that there was a lot of far-right anti-immigration rhetoric. And being told that this place isn't your home and to go back to where you come from had a long, long lasting impact on me okay. throughout my life, which it's only been recently that I've been able to kind of face and overcome. So for the first 15 years in business, I wouldn't step out and represent because actually I would try and hide away or not be seen because that was a survival tactic for me in the 1980s. Right. But I've come to learn, actually, my face, me, this is my biggest asset that yeah. I can ever, ever have. And I'll probably use it to, uh, <laughs> to, to good effect in a minute. But, you know, in, in, when I moved down to, to Bournemouth, more specifically Southbourne, I actually found out what home really mean, meant. Okay. And that's a big, big answer in the sense that your home isn't just the bricks and mortar that you yeah. sleep overnight. It's somewhere where you feel safe, welcome, engaged, and that makes you want to put more back in. Yeah. And that's what I do. And that's why I do what I do for the likes of uh, Southbourne. Wow. And do you think one of those, and thank you for sharing that with us, do you think one of those reasons about trying not to fit in and wanting to be in the background is what drove you perhaps to software, technology, or was it just your natural skills and abilities? Yeah, I don't think I've been more of an introvert techie. So when I was uh, working in uh, up in the northeast and also in Foresight, I was a uh, support person, uh, software QA person yeah. so I was very much in, in the background and when I first started or co-founded eMango I was the person building the infrastructure the servers the software the scripts to run yeah. to run everything but now my role and my business partner's roles kind of changed in the sense that he's just pushed me out in the front say you represent the business and I get my hands dirty again on hardware and uh, and services yeah but but you seem to love every time you see and if people go onto your LinkedIn and see, you know, Gordon's kind of profile, there's always a big smile on your face. You always seem to enjoy yourself. You always seem to be engaged in whatever you're doing. That does seem a long way from that person that didn't feel they belonged. That must have been a hell of a journey. For it you. was, yeah, it was. It was transformational once I found out and that actually faced that, uh, faced that question. Yeah. Once I found the answer in the sense that, you know, that was what was holding me back. I've really started to enjoy being out there, meeting new people and you know, being in the company of entrepreneurs and being part of the community. It's been absolutely transformational in, in, in that. And it, yeah, and clearly it's had that profound effect for you, Gordon. So I suppose I often say, can you give us some hints and tips? But you know, if there's somebody listening to this podcast that perhaps was in that position you're in and perhaps doesn't feel like they quite fit, mm. any hints and tips on what they can do to go through the journey that you've been on? I think it, it's to find your tribe in a way, you know, the you or the media community has really helped my confidence, my skills, my capability, my own personal, whether it's business or personal development. And I think when I first started, I was, I was a person at the back and I would just turn up and just be quiet and just listen. But I would turn up 
Yeah. And by turning up consistently, you know, the organisers can see that and see that you're very, very supportive and, and they'll, you know, and they'll be grateful for that. Over time, you make more contacts, you have more conversations, yeah. you become a lot more confident. And then in the end, Mark Masters, who, who kind of head, um, heads our community, just would get me on stage for a little bit, just a five minute share what I've been doing. And then in the end, it ended up in 2019, I did a, it was supposed to be a 20 minute talk, but it like ended up <laughs> as 45 minutes. Of, and it, you know, it, there was about 100 people there and it was just friends in business. So it wasn't like yeah. to a blank or, you know, a thousand you found, like you found your tribe and yeah, you're standing yeah. in front of them yeah. speaking and, and it was easy then to yeah. just to share everything and it, yeah yeah and that, that then gave you the confidence to be more of yourself in everyday life in yeah. business yeah and i think it's one of those things where you give and not expect anything back just support other people you know turn up to their events and just turn up uh, and support them because if nobody else turned up then at least you would be the person that turned up for them because yeah. then come the time when you need an ask back it becomes easier. Support, yeah. Definitely. And do you think we, you know, SME business owners generally do enough to support their communities? What I would say is we should be a part of the community, not apart from the community. Yeah. Um, we've got our data center facility in the Dorset Innovation Park in Wool. Mm-hmm. It's all fenced off. It's a secure area. And it's easy, it would be easy to drive in there, bring your sandwiches or buy them from the sandwich van that comes around yeah. and then leave at the end of the day. But for our business lunches, we try and use the deli as much as we can. When I go to the local spa, the bakers or the deli, I, you know, I'll wear my lanyard yeah. to show, actually, I work in the park, but I'm coming through to yeah. you know, spend my money here locally. And come the day where if we can build a cafe or maybe even have a little barber's chair that actually... I'd love to have a barber's chair there so I don't have to faff on on the weekend. <laughs> the first thing to do would be to ask the local community, do you want to run this yeah. for us? And then when we have job postings, we I share it to the local Facebook groups and say, we would love local people to apply for this because actually yeah. it would be beneficial all around. So yeah, yeah, I think we should absolutely be a part of the community and put as much in. Yeah, I love that. Be part of your community. Do not be apart from your community. I love that. It's a great mantra. And it's what I believe in, you know, with inspire and now evolve and everything else i think you know is it, i always had it in my head and my, my thing was actually we've got to give back and we've got to add value to the community yeah. and not just the business community but the community in which we operate and you did so with your massive conference that you used to hold at the big <laughs> yeah we did you know and that was a kind of we that was a no cost for anybody attending and we kind of you know we had 250 business owners leaders but it was a bit about us saying you know, it was great for our brand and all of that and but it was about saying that I really believe in the local business community. Yep. Now let's get us all together and let's share yep. and put, you know, like-minded people with similar interests in the room and great things can happen. And some great things did happen as a result of those conferences. Yes, yeah, so thank you for referencing <laughs> those. But, you know, but it was always about very early on, you know, back in 2005, six, we used to talk about, you know, we're one of those early businesses that gave everybody at least one day, if not more, if they wanted it, to go and do something in their local okay. community. And I think that's important yeah. for business owners, isn't it? And we had people that used to go, they'd spend a day at home baking cakes because it was the village fair on the Saturday and they could sell them on the store and they couldn't do that if they didn't. It wasn't all about just find a local charity and go work in the community shop. Yeah. It was about do what's important to you and your um, community. You also seem, obviously, you know, grew up uh, in in the north of England, came down here, 
mid nineties. Uh, maybe you've referenced it with that reference to Southbourne and finding your your home, but you are also very passionate about Dorset's potential, aren't mm. you? And what we could achieve here. I mean, what would be your aspirations for the county, um, and where would you like to see the ca- county sit? When we talk about Dorset, probably a lot of your your listeners won't know, but it's governed by two quite different councils. BCP Council you know, covers Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole and Dorset Council for the everything west of yeah. west of Poole. And it, there are quite different beasts and we, we won't have enough time to, to, to cover those to two. That, yes. but, um, but we we had our base in, in Bournemouth and then we moved to the Innovation Park in 2019-2020. And uh, I didn't realise how stifling it was to be in the same building for 20 years. Yeah. Even with the liquor paint and the move of desk, it you know, as soon as we moved to the Innovation Park, life absolutely changed for us and for our staff. And I think it was lucky timing as well because the military started to turn up talking about building their own innovation space, co-working yeah. space called the Defence Battle Lab. Um, now, over time, we let them use our, you know, the army use our office for, for meetings and we would just help everything uh, in any way that we could do. But then over time, they trusted us then they give us more work to do to you know kit out the uh, you know the the workspace and the um, office spaces with internet cabling etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and now we're even furnishing 5G onto their Lowood ranges so we are you know a, a trusted supplier to them and it's and it's it's been transformational for us but you know BCP area kind of does well but from what I've seen and what I've heard. You know, the likes of uh, Weymouth and Dorchester and West West Dorset doesn't doesn't do as well, and I I just like to see um, you know you know prosperity um, you know having this shared prosperity across yeah. the whole of the whole of the county, and and part of that is is uh, is about creating jobs, uh, yeah. you know highly paid, well skilled jobs in in that area, and I think with the MOD and the army, you know creating this uh, kind of innovation space, bringing academia. Uh, local businesses, the military, together uh, in, in trying to f- find new solutions, new providers f- for the military. I think that is a new, absolutely new potential for mm. for Dorset businesses. Now, defence has been a, a part of Dorset in terms of Blandford, Bovington, Lulworth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think what, you know we 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 can talk about Bournemouth Digital or Dorset Digital, and and yeah. that has a history of being very web focused. But those yeah. skills. And if Dorset businesses want to diversify and, and, and you know safeguard themselves for the future, it could be that skills could be used in a different way. And the new domain is data. You know, yeah. data is becoming a new thing, uh, but also connect that with defence as well. So there's an absolute you know opportunity for the digital skills within BCP or Dorset to then transform into this new sector, this new yeah. new uh, opportunity. Uh, and and for Dorset to be a centre of excellence in that, Brilliant. and that's why I try and introduce businesses to the you know, Defence Bat Lab and try and connect businesses together because I think um, we have some challenges facing uh, coming up in terms of demographics of people, uh, resources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that. I don't know yeah, how, okay. how, how you're gonna think about uh, what I'm gonna say, but I'm, I've been working on a talk that's. Um, and I'm going to give you the title. Okay. I haven't. I'm not doing it to be provocative, but it will make you think. And it's an absolute 
real question that you need to that we all need to answer and the title is who is going to clean your bum when you are too old and unable to and that's an absolute real question in terms of adult social care health care and, and, and so on yeah because there's a demographic potential demographic catastrophe coming in the sense that you know with the baby boomer generation there was a you know stable triangle pensions at the top people below working supporting that the tip of the triangle yeah and dorset lep the local enterprise partnership they they forecasted by 2040 the dependency ratio will be one in the terms of you know the number of people of pension age will yeah. equal the number of people of working and age that would replicate itself for our listeners that aren't dorset based all around the country right yeah absolutely um but then if we don't have and people are having fewer children yeah. later on in life um that square will then become an unstable upside down triangle yeah. unless we have more people coming to the region you know freedom of movement or whatever that is uh now unless we bolster that underneath it's going to be a, a massive massive problem yeah. and there are things that we we can't influence as in housing strategy building etc yeah. etc but what i can do is try and create jobs uh have a you know, be part of a thriving economy so that people will can move to the area yeah. they can pay the taxes um and bolster the local economy because if we think our high streets are desolate now what's going to happen when there's less people working yeah so like i said th- that's why I, I i try and voice these concerns try and be part of you know creating jobs within local area because that's that's the things that we can tr- I can try and influence, yeah. but I can't change the you things can't, on the top. Right, you can no. try and influence policy, but you can bang yeah. your head against the brick wall forever. Yeah. But it comes down to what can we all do? I suppose it comes down to the community again, and what can we do in our businesses that makes wherever you know our businesses within you know the UK or the world a better place. Yeah. And it's about taking those steps that we can. And actually, you know, I think you're quite different and unique as a business owner because I don't think many of us reflect on those bigger questions um and i think it's I, I you know admire you for trying to think about bigger questions but when you do that you then change you fit your strategy to change your strategy to fit the problems that are coming don't you so that's why when we have new jobs coming at the park i will reach out to local uh, facebook groups yeah. i'll we'll try and reach out to weymouth and dorchester because i've seen you know statistics in terms of uh, social deprivation across the economic deprivation and yeah. we need better jobs across there because then yeah. we you know dorset as a, as a whole can can yeah. can be great as opposed to just certain pockets towards towards the east yeah no, definitely definitely and i suppose who's going to wipe your bum when you're old isn't going to be ai is it <laughs> i'm really intrigued to see your opinion on you know i suppose you've probably been thinking about AI might have been part of your world doing what you do for a number of years or seeing seeing it coming but us in the mass population really chat GBT hmm. has opened our eyes to this new technology that is already you know it's not coming it's here and it's been here for a while when you stop and think about it um, what's your view about the explosion of AI and is it for, for the good does it raise any potential threats where do you sit in that world? I think it's fascinating. And I think the amount of talk over a short space of time is is incredible for this technology. Yeah. And you know and we know that actually even better versions are just, just around the corner. So the likes of AI 
uh, for us as a technical services company is great in, in the sense that it helps us find the answers a lot quicker. It can help us build software tools quicker, which we have done. Although the, the kind of output from from those uh, from using AI and Chat GPT and in writing the software tools is, we've always had to debug them and fix them yeah. before they go into our live production. So that kind of raises the question for me: as in, is it as in, you know, are we losing the profession? from professional yeah are we losing those deep-rooted fundamental skills and knowledge because we can just crank it out and does that lead us to a world where an 80 20 world in the sense that we crank it out it's good enough let's just move on mm. whereby you know true prof- professionals uh, artisans craftspeople they'll take that extra from the 80 to 100 yeah. percent where it'll be absolutely you know unique spot on and 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 you know, suited for you. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's that kind of, do we end up in a world where everything is vanilla? You know, is everything the same? Because or, or good enough. It's just it's good enough. good enough. But yeah. yeah, but that kind of, well, everybody's used AI to do it. They've all come up with similar results. Everything, you know, looks the same and therefore I do use the word vanilla because the colour out of life yeah. dissipates. But, yeah, on the other side of things, we talk about there's a labour shortage. Does it mean that actually... You know, those with skills, professional skills, can spend more time doing the. It's an important where tool. Where they add value. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's an important tool for sure. But I think we need those um, mastery of the skills to use it and to fix and patch up where it doesn't mm-hmm. deliver. Yeah. But that <laughs> that's another big question, isn't it? Because you and I, and uh, you know, learn our skills in in our professions because we did everything from the bottom up. Mm. If AI is going to do the 80% of the job, we're not going to have masters in 10, 15, 20 years' no. time, are we? Because you only become a master because you spend so many hours and it, and doing it may the be, basics. And it may be that life changes within the next 5, 10, 15 years. And, and, and our opinions now are just Yeah, and I was going to just about to say, or, or am I just talking as a 40-year-old man and... You know, a man in his 40s and with a very archaic view of life. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you have any fears or threats about AI? Um, even within websites and technology, there is, there is you know, dark UI or, you know, where, where software is done in a psychological way to drive you to do things that you may not want to do. I, I guess the case in point is, you know, before when you were booking tickets, they would make the green button, you know, you say, yes, add, add um, insurance or whatever on, on your plane tickets. When normally nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, you don't want to, but the fact that it's green, it's just drawing you to it. So, yeah. you know, maybe the, the use of AI like this, people can use it to kind of be more controlling. Or, yeah. or, you know, there is always a darker side to technology, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose that's been the way, way of the world. And... In terms of, you know, the journey that you've been on, the forming, you know, the forming of the business, the being involved in lots of things around business, what effect has that had on you as an individual and in your personal and family life? I guess there are times in the early days, well, actually, even now, where the business will struggle with, you know, cash flow, there's yeah. human, you know, staff issues, customer issues, supplier issues, and... You know, I think we're all members of the hashtag 3am club where we are lying awake in bed, staring at the ceiling, wondering what the hell we're going to do tomorrow when it comes to money and everything else. But 
by being resilient enough and, and lasting out 20 years, 23 years. I'm in a position where uh, it's less an issue. You know, financially, yeah. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying life in terms of you know, work-life yeah. balance and so on. But it, it took a long time to, to get to that stage. And you know, there's different phases of success in business. And yeah. normally that's your last question, but you know, the first phase of success is to get through those first two years isn't it yeah it is yeah when you start it's just like you know yeah. might have a couple of customers might have this got an idea got a passion but how do we make it work how do we get that ball rolling how do we get momentum isn't yeah. it yeah indeed and then the second phase of success is having a better work-life balance where yeah actually you have time to put back in or you have time for yourself or a bit yeah. of both and that's where the phase i am currently at and if we hit our growth strategy i can be more autonomous in what, what I choose yeah. to do. And that's maybe the last phase of, uh, of success. But being able to put back in, especially, you know, you've heard about my initial journey, th- th- that, that's what drives me, you yeah. know, being that positive contributor to people's lives, whether it's in the community or whether it's f- um, from members of staff coming through the business and onwards. You know, there was a stage, early stage in business, where every time somebody left, it was, like the end of the world for me and in in one short space of time we had three people leave to one of the largest agencies uh, web agencies in Bournemouth and that you know the younger me just thought oh that's awful how dare they oh I hate them for it but now I look back and think well actually I must have done something well for them to take them on and if that led them to go on to bigger and better things then Great. That's that's my role in life. That's my yeah. role in life. Well, I think that that's about you know, and it's a big word, isn't it? But that sort of thing, and I suppose it comes back to if you go back to those that you know drove and owned and built foresight. What you just talked about there is when you you know you develop an individual, you bring them on, they go on to greater things. That's probably what you describe as legacy, isn't it? Mm. That is leaving something behind. <laughs> yeah, it, some people will use P and L for perp. I'm sorry, uh, profit and loss. Yeah. But I've kind of changed that to purpose and legacy. Yeah. You know, what you do for now and, and what you leave behind yeah. for everybody else. And that must be a big part of your, I think you've, you know, you've said it is a big part of your driver is that legacy piece, isn't it? What What's the world going to reflect on when Gordon yeah. isn't here? Yeah. Now, you know, me and my wife, we don't have children, but you know, we have plenty of uh, godchildren and nephews yeah. and nieces, but you know, there's still the rest of society and, and, and our friends and neighbours that, uh, you know, I do want to, try and create something or, or leave something in terms of um, you know, business and, and leaving that for the staff and, or, or some other shape or form. Brilliant. And what do you do away from the kind of work life to perhaps get that balance, make sure you are able to be resilient? Um, if anybody follows my Instagram uh, account, they'll see it. It's a good, healthy mixture of uh, work and, uh, work and uh, personal life. I'm a bit of a foodie. I like I like my food and drink. Sometimes yeah. a bit too much, but uh, <laughs> I like visiting and supporting local businesses as well. Okay. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't want to use social media because I don't don't want to watch or, or see people's breakfasts." But I do because I want to try different places all of yeah. all the time. So uh, I do like traveling as well, uh, short holidays a- abroad. But yeah, food and drink and and all the events on our high street. I just I just love it. Brilliant, fantastic, and. What's the best piece of advice that you think you've ever received? And what's the one thing maybe you've heard in a presentation that's really, you know, hit home to you? Um, maybe it's not a piece of advice, but a, a kind of conversation I had with my 
business partner Tim Harris, because talking back about the 3am club, I would w- worry about, uh, you know, we haven't got enough money to pay suppliers, VAT, POA, etc, etc. And if somebody said, Gordon, February is the worst month for business entrepreneur, business owner deaths, suicides, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm. And uh, my business partner would, would pick up on this and say, well, you know, what's wrong, Gordon? And I'd, I'd tell him, and, and he, he would say, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. And I would just repeat, I can't pay the staff, I can't do this, and all hell breaks loose. And he would just say, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. But we've seen, seen it in the news and in the, in the papers or whatever, business suicide is a real, yeah. real thing. And that literally is the worst thing that can happen. Mm. So once I kind of, I don't want that to happen. So everything else is, it is an issue. It can be a problem, but it's not as bad as that. It's going to have thing consequences, that, yeah. but it's not that. Is yeah. It? And yeah, I think that piece is that, and, and it's got, in my view, it's great that us as business owners can have these conversations now about being resilient, the 3am club mental health mm. and all of that awareness because probably when we both started our businesses in the early 2000s that would have been a no-no that would have been a sign of weakness yeah absolutely yeah. and it's so great that those conversations can now take place but also you know the groups that you you create and having business people around the same table is for me that's my kind of mental health well-being space yeah being in the company of other entrepreneurs because yeah. sometimes you look at somebody else and think wow they're doing great they're smashing it. But then when you have an honest conversation, you just think, they've just got four times my problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it does put things in perspective and you help each other and, that, mm. and that's it. And I think it's really interesting, you know, it, it, at the events that we run, the peer groups that we run, some of the, you know, the, the development programs that we do for businesses where we just get their leadership or management team together as a cohort. We talk about, you know, them sharing their good, they're bad and they're mad mm. about what's going on. But we also always say, don't just do it from a business perspective. Yeah. Do it from a personal perspective as well because you can't have you can't have success, can you? You can't be in balance in life if one side of your life is great and you're not giving the time and attention to yeah. the other part. Yeah. Um, and, and what's great is sometimes when you see that happening, you might start a session around strategic growth, but you let the conversation go for 15, 20 minutes around somebody that has got a personal challenge. And to see this, you know, I'm smiling now, the listeners can't say it, but one of the things that brings me joy is you see that actually people are sharing that and they're supporting yeah. each other. And it is, you know, like you say, with, you know, your, the Mark Masters community that you're a big part of is when you've got those people around you, it can make life so much better, can't it? It's it's so important these days. It's absolutely so important. I, I, I would recommend everyone to find their tribe wherever that mm. wherever that may be find your tribe is definitely and be find your tribe be part <laughs> and not a part of your community there are two yeah. things that have definitely resonated with me and i normally as you say end with a <laughs> question about success and i think we've covered that with you gordon in the course of the conversation so i won't repeat myself so i'm going to end listeners with a different question oh no oh no <laughs> i haven't prepared for this one <laughs> so what advice would you give to your younger self, if you could go back to the twenty-year-old Gordon, what advice would you give him? I would say step forward. Like I said, for fifteen years I didn't step forward, and you know, the, we shouldn't live with regrets. But the business could be could have been a lot different if I, you yeah. know. 
put that effort in right up front as opposed to you know over the last seven years or so. So I think absolutely step forward and, and, and recognise the biggest asset, the best asset is you. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. If people want to learn more about you, see your pictures on Instagram, get in contact via LinkedIn, how can they actually, and find out about the businesses, what can they do to connect with you? Um, I guess search for Gordon Fong, Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get all my social links, my website, but you know, catch me up on LinkedIn. That, that's probably the easiest. Brilliant. Gordon, I've loved our conversation. I knew when I welcomed you to this podcast 40 minutes or so ago, it was going to be a wide and varied conversation. It's certainly been that. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for being a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.